We started to say one of our common dear friends was Harris Miller, who died of pancreatic cancer about 14 months ago. And there was two months between diagnosis and death. And now people are using AI to predict the likelihood of pancreatic cancer three and four years ahead of time. We can actually be treated surgically and medically. Welcome to the Regulating AI podcast. Join host Sanjay Puri as he explores the dynamic and developing world of artificial intelligence governance. Each episode features deep dives with global leaders at the forefront of regulating AI responsibly, tackling the challenges using AI can bring about head-on and enabling balance without hindering innovation. Welcome to the Regulating AI podcast. Artificial intelligence stands at the forefront of technological evolution, with experts predicting that it will add trillions of dollars to our GDP, but it could also have a negative impact on our workforce and national security. So how do we regulate it without stifling innovation? The U.S. Congress is currently working to put up a legislative framework around AI, and this has resulted in multiple hearings, listening sessions, and many proposed bills. Our podcast features insights from different perspectives, industry leaders, government officials, advocacy groups, because together, they address pivotal questions that are needed to create practical legislation. I'm very excited to have Congressman Don Byer with us today. He represents the Virginia 8th District in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's also the vice chair of the Congressional AI Caucus. But I invited him on this show because he has taken it upon himself to learn about machine learning by attending George Mason University as a part-time student so that he can be as well prepared to represent us all when we are framing legislation. Welcome, Congressman. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the Regulating AI podcast. Sanjay, thank you so much. It's a great honor to accept your invitation. I'm looking forward to doing my best to contribute to, to your conversation. And thank you, too, for doing your best to educate the American public about how AI regulation can and should evolve. Thank you, Congressman. So let's dive into it. President Biden announced a sweeping executive order on AI on October 30th. Can you just give our listeners a quick summary as well as your feedback on it? What do you think about it? Well, Sanjay, I'm really excited about it. First of all, it lays out a comprehensive strategy. I believe today there are about 100 different AI bills that have been introduced in the U.S. House. Uh, None of them are quickly on their way to passage. Of course, we haven't met in about a month. That's part of it. And so absent congressional action, which is always slow, it's great to have something out there. And it does a lot of individual things. I mean, the executive order is 60 pages long, but it does regulations on model development, who's hiring of AI positions in the government. It acknowledges from the beginning that you have to be aware of bias and discrimination, intentional and unintentional, in the data sets. It does a lot of interesting things. My hope, Sanjay, is that it will also be the blueprint for the first pieces of legislation that we should pass. To take it from executive order, which is powerful, to actual law, which is enduring. Well, that's wonderful to hear, Congressman. Congressman, some of your colleagues have proposed that we should have a separate regulatory agency for AI. What is your thought on this, and do you think we should? Sanjay, I am ambivalent. Certainly, there's some wisdom in having one central agency where people can get it all right, so it's handled the same for every branch of government. The downside is you create a whole new bureaucracy. 
which probably needs a, you know, a new big building and then 4,000 employees and things like that. On the other hand, one of the things that the AI executive order does, and which we have a bill to do in the House also, is say that agency by agency, Department of Defense, Department of Commerce, NOAA, they do federal government contracting for AI. They're also responsible for the AI governance. We specifically say that they're responsible for making sure that the NIST framework, which most people consider the gold standard at the moment, is obeyed and adhered to. So we will stay. It's interesting. One of the things that we talk a lot about is the need not just to do AI governance well in the United States or in Europe through the EU and AI Act, but for China and Russia and South Americans, the global South. It's not going to be enough for us with 5% of the population to regulate the whole world. There needs to be something like a Geneva Convention on Artificial Intelligence. So perhaps our one big agency could be the catalyst. As I say, if I sound a little confused, it's because I think there are good arguments on both sides. No, that's true. There are good arguments, and we'll see how things play out, Congressman. Congressman, you, along with some of your colleagues, have put forward the CREATE AI Act. Can you explain to our listeners what this bill is about? Because I think the EO kind of touches on it in a little way, too. Oh, thanks, Hanjay. Thank you for knowing about the CREATE AI Act. We're very excited about it. And it's co-sponsored by the four chairs and co-chairs of the caucus, so two Democrats, two Republicans, which is always an unusual thing on the Hill. But it goes to the fact that the training set that any artificial intelligence machine learning is trained on is of valuable importance. We see this, the best, easiest example is the fact that chat GPT-4, OpenAI's latest, was trained on all six trillion words, according to Sam Baldwin, on the internet. And we know that a certain percentage of those six trillion words on the internet are not good for us. They're illegal, they're immoral, they promote racism and anti-Semitism of, of all different kinds, teaches people how to build nuclear weapons, you know, just a lot of bad stuff that just the pornography on there alone is enough. So then when you turn that into GPT-4, you realize, oh my goodness, they're going to say, Sanjay Puri is a nice Irish kid who played Major League Baseball for the Nats. <laughs> Hallucination all over the place. <laughs> so what we want to do is create a large curated data sets, really large, that the teachers and the students and all the researchers can use. It's a way of democratizing AI and especially helpful for the universities. Now, there's a pilot in the executive order, President Biden's executive order. He was trying to move in that direction. But if we can get the CREATE AI Act passed in a bipartisan way, that'll hopefully go a long way towards getting us. Making that tool available, not just to Google and Microsoft and OpenAI, but to you and to me for someone amateur, but it'd be great to have that resource available. Basically, small businesses and others would have the same access as these companies who have tens of billions of dollars is what you're saying. Exactly right. Yeah, what they say is that just to create the big models is $100 million. Yeah. That's something that few of us can afford. This will dramatically reduce the cost. Would NSF have a role in this, Congressman? We don't want NSF to have a role in everything, but yes, definitely. And to a different extent, NIH, because Sanjay, to confess, of all the things AI will do to change our lives, the one I'm most excited about is what it's doing right now to healthcare. Every day, there seems to be yet another example of how they're applying artificial intelligence to the medical challenges every one of us faces. That's true. Some remarkable discoveries are on their way, Congressman, because of the work that all of us and all of you are doing. We started to say one of our 
common dear friends was Harris Miller, who died of pancreatic cancer about 14 months ago. And there was two months between diagnosis and death. And now people are using AI to predict the likelihood of pancreatic cancer three and four years ahead of time. We could actually be treated surgically and medically. That will make an enormous difference to lifespans and quality of life for our people across the country. That's true. That is true. That's a great example too. Congressman, taking this further, there's a debate that should we open source these large language models or not? Where do you come out on this discussion? Because Meta has open source Lambda and there's a lot of discussion going on about this. Well, I don't know that I'm smart enough to give you the right answer. My instinct is open source is great, again, from a little de-democratization to give people the insight. And this is especially true because, as you know very well, what's the right word? Explainability of AI is going to be really important down the road. If AI says that I should either take this medicine or jump off that bridge, why? You know, how do you go back through the neural networks and the deep learning to figure out how they came to that? So open source has its pros and cons. And there is a con, which is some people might fear the use of open AI source to be able to do really terrible things. They'll have access to information that perhaps they shouldn't. But on the other hand, its openness, its transparency is an enormous strength balancing. That is going to take an awful lot of wisdom. Yeah, and we are hoping that comes from the U.S. Congress, Congressman. Sanjay, one other sort of thing, too, is I just recently met with a bunch of the parliamentarians from the EU who are talking about how to regulate social media, which we, of course, have done a terrible job at in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it was a matter of, can we restrict the really negative things, the things that are, in their case, illegal, but nevertheless maintain the openness as much as possible? And so we'll probably be looking at, when we go back to open source AI, how do we restrict the usage of the things that are just plain dangerous, real legal, or wrong, mm-hmm. and maintain it for everything else? I'm hoping it'll solve that for us. Yeah. Talking about your discussions with the members of the EU, do you think it's uh, collaboration is possible as we are, they are marching down this, their framework, and they obviously want to get there early and fast, and ours has just started. Do you think there is a potential for collaboration here? Yes, I think so. They were very excited about the president's AI order. And I've been really impressed with them for the last couple of years. We've been meeting up with them for at least two years. How far ahead of the U.S. Congress they are. And they really come together in a meaningful way with all those different 27 countries and are on the verge of passing it. We've been critical of it for being too restrictive, too, too much licensing and the like. They insist that they are very aware of the trade-off between overregulation and suppressing innovation and are doing their damnedest not to suppress it. I apologize for the beeping in the background. That's what happens when Congress is about to take votes is that beeps at 10, six or eight times. So at least you know I'm authentically in my office. Yes, you definitely are. So we will keep rolling because votes can come in any time. Congressman, talking about votes, there is an election coming up, as you know, next year. And there's a big concern about the role that AI and deep fakes will play. What are your thoughts about this? What can Congress do about something like this? That's a great question, Sanjay. And it piggybacks right on our discussion on the EU, because they, Mm -hmm. too, are just about passing a number of new EU laws restricting the use of AI in political advertising. 
They're concerned about deep fakes. They're concerned not just about radio and television, but about all those things that show up on the internet and regulating those too. They have two major bills in the House right now. One would just require disclosure of AI on any advertising that uses it. Another would just outright ban it. Say you can't use artificial intelligence in A, all advertising, or B, all political advertising. You can certainly imagine, ironically, one of the ones that showed up recently was Governor DeSantis' team running an AI-adjusted ad of Donald Trump and Anthony Fauci. Fauci. Not exactly dear friends, but painting them as co-conspirators against the American public. I'm no fan of Donald Trump, but I have to say that was probably a little unfair. (laughs) Yeah, there is. And you know, the executive order does talk a little bit about watermarking and those kinds of things also. This is definitely going to be an area that we'll have to pay close attention to congressmen. Congressman, the thing is that AI is constantly evolving. You know, till a year ago, we didn't know about chat GPT. Six months, 12 months from now, it could take many different forms. You could have AGI, et cetera. So how does, you know, the rules that you enact today might not be relevant. So how does Washington stay relevant in this debate, Congressman? Sanjay, I think you put your finger on the greatest risk. I've been with my wonderful team really trying to pay attention to what some call the taxonomy of risks. Mm-hmm. You look at AI application by application and say, what's the downside? What could go wrong? Whether it's bias or, or incorrect prediction or whatever. But I think it's really important that we not lose the perspective of existential risk, which might come from AGI, um, artificial general intelligence, as opposed to the narrow intelligence that we're working with now. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to read everything I can and, and still be impressed that the people that we acknowledge worldwide as very bright, the, the Stephen Hawking's and others, are concerned about it. Uh, so we have to build adaptability into the AI legislation so it can be updated at the last minute. And I hope, too, not just the paperclip example, which is way overused, but more thoughtful examples of what the existential risk might actually be. As you probably appreciate way better than I, there seem to be a huge group of people that think that actual intelligent machines with the consciousness are not in our lifetime to others who think it could be five years away. That's especially true of the people who look at the things that GPT-4 can do and have no idea how they're able to do that. It's not just predicting the next word. It's not just pattern recognition. It's like, there's something else going on here. We don't know what it is. Yeah. No, that's true. And OpenAI has a group that has been set up and people are saying it could be five years or less with AGI. So there are those kinds of issues that we will need to address. Speaking about that, all of these big companies like Google, OpenAI, Microsoft have come in front of the president, have come in front of Senator Schumer and your committees and all have said regulate us. There is a thought across the industry in some cases that they might be trying to do regulatory capture by saying, hey, set up these regulations so that after this, it'll become much harder. What are your thoughts about this? I think it's very important to pay attention to that possibility. Certainly when the pause letter came out, I was among those who were suspicious that this was one of the consequences of the pause would be that the, the big companies could get ever farther ahead where anybody could catch up. It was fascinating. One of the earlier President Biden meetings with the heads of the big four or five uh, ended with it with the president saying, go ahead and self-regulate till we figure this out. Uh, a little dangerous. But that's very much, I think we just have to guard against the downside of that. We do not want meaningful guardrails to be 
interfering with the ability of the myriad entrepreneurs and small businesses that can use AI in a really constructive way, rather than having to say it's got to come out of open AI or come out of Google, in which case some of the people that already have billions of dollars make more billions. That shouldn't be the goal or shouldn't even be the consequence of it. Well, that's very important. That kind of leads me to this question of workforce and the President Biden's executive order kind of addressed this. So there are two issues. There could be massive workforce disruptions of our existing workforce. And then there is also this need to bring in global talent into our country that is AI savvy. So he's addressing some of that, if you notice. What are your thoughts? Because that workforce talent is going to be a very big issue, Congressman. Your thoughts on this? First of all, we need meaningful immigration reform. It's something we've been totally unable to do. My Republican friends are always prioritizing the security at the border. Understandable, when you get 11,000 people a day crossing the border without papers, it's really important. And I'm glad that the president has put much more border security into the bill that we're probably going to start considering very soon, which would give more money to Israel and Ukraine, but also our own border. But if we can secure the border, or at least do it better than we're doing right now, It opens the way politically to a much better job at recruiting the people that we need to provide the workforce of the 21st century. And there are lots of very well-educated computer scientists, plus from Europe, from Southeast Asia, from the subcontinent, like who would love to come here. And we need them. Also goes to the issue, what about just job elimination? What about the title clerks and the paralegals and so many other people who, the copy editors of all the people that you're not going to need anymore? I tend to go, I'm sure you've seen Mark and recent different pieces that point out that going back to the invention of fire and the wheel, every technological advance displaces some workers in an economy. And yet at the same time, we have more jobs than ever before, more needs than ever. I saw a great number the other day that 2000, so two decades ago, had 110 million jobs in America, 150 million today in those 20 years. And, and, and 8.7 million of them are open right now. We're going to have to deal with creative destruction that often the people who lose their jobs because of AI are not going to be the ones who can pick up a brand new AI job or job created by this new economy and help them as much as we possibly can. Lots and lots of retraining. The idea of a lifetime education, lifelong learning is going to be more important than ever before. Yeah, I think your point is right. Reskilling, upskilling is going to be uh, very critical for us. Just shifting topics, Congressman, uh, President Biden has put restrictions on the sale of advanced chips to China, specifically targeting AI. What are your thoughts on that? Because as we look at this whole global framework that we are trying to build around the world on AI. I am very slightly mixed feelings about that, but only very slightly. My slight concern is I would love to be or competing with China and cooperating with China, together we could do so much. However, given what appears to be their long-range plan, which is replacing the democratic rules of the road with their own rules of the road throughout the globe, I think it's critically important that we stay way ahead of them on artificial intelligence. And for us to ship them the most sophisticated chips to allow them to do AI only hurts us and promotes them. Two of my good friends are Mark Warner, the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and Mike Turner, the Republican chair of the House Intelligence Committee. Both have told me, and I'm sure they've had been in their speeches, that 
Beating China in the AI race is essential to our national security, and probably the security of the democratic world. While it's not the friendliest thing to do, it's probably the necessary thing to do until they come around to a more enlightenment way of governing, which could be many centuries. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Congressman, if there were three things that you would like to see in a legislation that comes across AI, are there some three big things that are important for you? I could probably list 15 and I'd get them in the wrong order. The three that I'm working on most is the National AI Research Resource, the Critical AI Act. It's a great first step towards democratizing AI. So that would be number one. Number two are the federal procurement regulations. It's going to be difficult for us to roll out a regulatory framework for independent businesses, right? It's going to be way too much pushback. We probably wouldn't get it right. But if we can do this through the federal contract. You know, what uh, the Department of Commerce engages AI firms to do this and that for them, and they use the NIST framework, it's going to be a great tool for us to learn how best to apply an ethical framework to the work that's being done, and a roadmap for how you take it through the whole society, through the whole economy. And then finally, really drilling down on the risks from something as straightforward as you better have not just old white businessmen in your data set when you're trying to figure out who best to fill various roles to something much more complicated about what are the existential risks of artificial general intelligence and everything in between. And let's really understand those and educate not just three or four members of Congress, but all members of Congress and even importantly, the American public. Those are, I think, excellent three points amongst the 15 that you have. Isn't OMB supposed to be coming out with some kind of a circular congressman on federal procurement? I hope so. I think that was built into the president's 60 pages. Yeah. That, in fact, we're going to continue to charge forward with our congressional language because executive orders can be reversed, sometimes by the same president based on <laughs> history. We'd love to get it in the law also. That's in true. the meantime, we'll see how it's being working by virtual executive order. Maybe it will improve the legislation. Congressman, we've gone through the list of experts and the people that Senator Schumer has had in the hearings, etc. And a lot of them appear to be generally CEOs of large tech companies academics from Stanford, MIT, why not get small businesses, community colleges, and manufacturing companies also into this debate? Because our community colleges educate a large swaths of people. I mean, you yourself have the Northern Virginia community colleges, etc. They also train a lot of the workforce. Thoughts on that? Because you touched on that with your CREATE Act too. Yes, Sanjay. And we're trying to do it just in our own small way in my congressional district, because we're finding every day New small AI companies, two we visited in the last couple of weeks, Trustable AI in Arlington, Virginia. And I think they're 12 or 13 people. They're not open AI. And they're trying to help companies. Yet. Yeah, they're trying to help companies with AI governance. But they're all computer science, PhDs and AI people doing policy. I met another wonderful young man. I think he's eight employees so far. And he himself is not a PhD computer scientist or AI. He's a government procurement officer who says, I can help government procure AI services because I know what I'm doing. But he's obviously, he has to know the issues really well. Sajjad, I'd be amazed if a year from now that we don't have a couple of hundred AI companies in this one little congressional district. And all of them will be small for the time being. Oh, that's fantastic. Looking to make the most out of AI advancements and innovation? Visit regulatingai.org to learn more about how best to optimize the use and integration of AI and sign up for the Regulating AI newsletter to keep up to date with the latest in AI governance and regulation. 
Congressman, last question because I know you have to go. Senator Schumer has talked about getting legislation in fast. One prediction was he wanted to do it before the end of the year. What is your estimate of when we'll have some kind of a comprehensive legislation? Any idea? Yeah, Sanjay, I'm very optimistic that we'll have it before the election a year from now. I'm suspicious that anything will get done in the House between now and the end of this year, only because we have been so disorganized and discombobulated for the last two months that we'll be here most nights till 11 or 12 o'clock just trying to get 12 appropriations bills passed and keep the government open. Then we should be in much better shape during calendar year 2020. The Senate may actually be able to get their version done by the end of the year because they were- quite as disorganized as, as we were. But, and then that would be fine. It will come over to us and we will put our unique take on it, hopefully come to an agreement. So you think before election 2024, for sure? I very much hope so. And I think that there's, I don't know our new speaker very well. Our old displaced speaker, our vacated one, Kevin McCarthy, many criticisms of that speaker, but he was very committed to getting the AI work done. Yeah. I hope that passes to the new guy. Wonderful. Last, any message for our listeners, Congressman? Thank you for being here. I think they should listen to your podcast regularly because they will learn a lot from you. And I also, one of the things that's a little discouraging to me, Sanjay, is of the 435 members of the U.S. House, most of them my friends, I would bet there aren't a two dozen and maybe even a dozen that understand these issues or are paying much attention to. And so I do think in something that has the potential or the reality of completely changing life on earth and the way we exercise our humanity. We should all get as smart as we can. And we will do our best to do it in our own small way through this podcast and other session that we have with Congressman. Thanks so much for being here. And please let us know how we can help. And hopefully you'll come back again. I hope so. I hope we'll have new things to talk about that next time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sanjay. Thanks for tuning in to the Regulating AI Innovate Responsibly podcast. You'll find links in the show notes to any resources mentioned on the show. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review.